So I'm struggling to believe that it's prize-giving already. Uh, I'm finding as I grow older that all the things my mum and my gran and my grandpa used to say are true. As you get older, time goes faster. I cannot believe that uh, summer is nearly upon us, but uh, I have to say I'm quite pleased because we have a holiday booked. Do you have a holiday booked? Are you going away anywhere nice this summer? You're non-committal. <laughs> I can see that some of you have been away from the glowing uh, faces before me. I'm sure that some of you will be going away. Uh, and that's a good thing. We are designed by God to work, but we are also designed by God to rest. And uh, in the passage that we are about to read, Jesus and his followers have had a very busy time. And uh, Jesus takes his followers away to find rest. He crosses the Sea of Galilee and he climbs up a mountainside to be alone with his 12 disciples. All four Gospels tell this same story, and Mark in his Gospel opens the story by saying this. Mark says, Because so many people were coming and going that they did not even have a chance to eat, Jesus said to them, Come with me by yourselves, to a quiet place to get some rest. Come with me by yourselves to a quiet place to get some rest. That's the plan, but the crowds who are following Jesus get wind uh, as to, to where he is going, and they follow on. So you can imagine how they must have felt having crossed the Sea of Galilee and climbed halfway up a mountain to escape the crowds, to evade the crowds, to find some peace, to find some rest as they see the crowds beginning to climb the hill to meet with them. And so we pick up the story in John's Gospel, John chapter 6, and we'll read from verse 1. I did take a note of the page, but I've left it down. I wonder if Deborah could tell me what page it is in the Pew Bibles. John 6, verse 1. Is it 1069? 1069, if you're turning to the passage in your Pew Bibles. John chapter 6, verse 1. John says, some time after this, Jesus crossed to the far shore of the Sea of Galilee, that is the Sea of Tiberias, and a crowd of people followed him because they saw the miraculous signs he had performed on the sick. Then Jesus went up on a mountainside and sat down with his disciples. The Jewish Passover feast was near. When Jesus looked up and saw a great crowd coming toward him, he said to Philip, Where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? He asked this only to test him, for he already had in mind 
what he was going to do. Philip answered him, Eight months' wages would not buy enough bread for each one to have a bite. Another of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. Here is a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish. But how far will they go among so many? Jesus said, have the people sit down. There was plenty of grass in that place, and the men sat down, about 5,000 of them. Jesus then took the loaves, gave thanks, and distributed to those who were seated as much as they wanted. He did the same with the fish. When they had all had enough to eat, he said to his disciples, gather the pieces that are left over. Let nothing be wasted. So they gathered them and filled 12 baskets with the pieces of the five barley loaves left over by those who had eaten. Amen. Picture the scene. Place yourself in the scene. You've been following Jesus, working with Jesus, healing people, ministering to people, meeting the needs of the crowds that surrounded the Lord. You are tired, you are hungry, you are exhausted, you have not even had enough time to eat, and the Lord turns and says to you, let's go away. Let's take some time alone away from the crowds, to rest. You're relieved, I'm sure, eager to have this time with your Lord, eager to rest, and then having crossed the Sea of Galilee, having climbed up the mountainside, you see the crowds begin to gather and begin to climb. Maybe that seems too hard for you to picture. Imagine you are working so hard in your work. You're missing your lunch breaks. And eventually, you manage to get home for a rest. And just as you get in, just as you collapse and find the remote control to switch on the television, there's a phone call. And your boss is on the other end of the phone. And he says, "Just, I need you to come back in. We've got more work that needs done. How do you feel in that moment? Exhausted, exasperated, frustrated, angry, maybe. It's so unfair. And that is how we might have expected Jesus to feel and how we might have expected him to react to the crowds who come to him in John Chapter 6, hasn't he done enough to deserve a rest? Some time alone with the twelve. But instead, according to Mark, when he sees this great crowd, he doesn't feel frustration or anger. Mark tells us that he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. 
John doesn't tell us how Jesus felt, but he does tell us what Jesus said. Verse 5, when Jesus looked up and saw a great crowd coming towards him, he said to Philip, where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? So he presents a problem to Philip. Where will we find food for all these people? Philip says eight months' wages wouldn't be enough to give these people even a bite to eat. What he probably thinks is we're in the middle of nowhere. We are tired. We are exhausted. We are exasperated. We have no money. We have no food. Just send them away. Send them down the hill to find a village. There'll be a Tesco extra or an all-night garage somewhere. They can find themselves something to eat and we can rest. We can have some time together. That's probably how Philip is feeling, probably what Philip is thinking. I wonder if you've ever been in a position where there is a need that you know that you cannot meet or a problem you know that you cannot fix. And so you just try not to think about it, try not to look at it in the hope that it will just go away all by itself. Well, I can imagine that that's how Philip feels as he sees this great crowd coming towards them. Then Andrew speaks. Andrew doesn't speak much in the New Testament, but when he speaks, it's usually to lead someone else to the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's a wonderful testimony that he has left. Andrew speaks in verse 9. He says, Here is a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish. But how far will they go among so many? And now this small boy with his small packed lunch takes center stage. On the 27th of October, uh, 2008, myself and Deborah found that a small person can make a big impact as Katie was born. And uh, Katie and Grace continue to make a big impact on our lives. Uh, they're not, they'll tell you they're not small girls, so they're, big, they're big girls. Uh, but small people can have a big impact, and we remember that today, don't we, in our church family, that these small people, no offence, boys and girls, these small people in the first two or three pews up here have made a big am- impact on our lives and on our life together as a family of faith in this place, and we give thanks to God for each and every one of them. And in John 6, we, make, we meet a small boy who made a big difference. A small boy who offers us, big and small, young and old, a great example to follow in at least two ways. Firstly, although he's a small boy with not very much to offer, it would seem, and remember, in that, the culture of the day, Children are are not seen as very important. 
So he's a small boy. He doesn't have much to offer. Five tiny barley loaves. These are not kind of big Warburton's loaves. These are the wee, like, small loaves you might get with a bowl of soup. And Morrison's, that kind of size, maybe even smaller. And two small fish. That's all he has. It's a packed lunch, really, that he has brought as he has come to see Jesus. But although he has seemingly so little to give, he gives it. He doesn't think, well, it's, it's nothing. What difference is this small lunch going to make in the face of such huge needs? He is happy to bring what he has, as small as it may seem, to the Lord. And sometimes we fail to fulfill our potential because we look to the size of the needs, to the scale of the problem, and we think, what could I possibly have that would make any difference? And so we don't give to Jesus what we have because we think it's too small. We think it's insufficient. It's not enough. And so we fail to fulfill our potential. We fail to see the Lord using us in ways that go beyond what we could ever ask or imagine. Maybe we have some reasons or excuses we bring. I'm too young when I'm older, when I'm bigger, when I've got more money or when I've got more wisdom. Or maybe we're at the other end of the spectrum and we say, well, my chance is gone now. Had I realized or had I been invited when I was younger, when I was fit, when I was strong, when I was healthy, when I had money in the bank. But now, now what do I have to offer? There's no point. And we miss what the Lord may be pleased to do in us and through us. Little in the hands of the Lord can make a big difference. And this small boy, this young boy, recognizes this, realizes this, and he comes forward. He stands up and steps out. And he gives what he has to Jesus. So he is firstly our example because he gives what he has to Jesus. And secondly, he is our example because he gives all that he has to Jesus. He doesn't hold anything back. He could have done that. He could have said, well, what's the difference between five small loaves and two fish and Three small loaves and one fish. He could have had a couple of loaves and uh, a wee fish and then given the rest to Jesus. I mean, it doesn't really make any difference, does it? And when you look at the size of the the meal and the scale of the needs. But this young boy gives all that he has to Jesus. And that is a wonderful example for us. Those of us who think we have little to offer, be encouraged. Because little can be a lot in the hands of the Lord. And those of us who think I can give something of myself to the Lord, but hold something back for me, know that the Lord demands our all. We have to be wholehearted. We have to be all in 
It is all or nothing when it comes to the Lord Jesus Christ. And so there is a great challenge and a great encouragement for us as we look to the example of this young boy. All of that is true. As small as we are, we are significant. The Lord made us. Uh, He equipped us to, to, to serve, to make a difference, to make an impact. He is pleased to receive us. Uh, he has sent his, God has sent his son into the world to, to live and to die for the bad things that we have done so that when we trust in him, he makes us again, he makes us anew. And he, he calls us to himself. He washes us clean, welcomes us into his families, we've thought about already, and then sends us out in his name. We are hugely significant. And what we have to offer, and I say this to all of us without exception, what we have to offer is significant in the eyes of God. And he will be delighted to receive what we have to offer and to use what we have to offer in ways which will exceed our expectations if we give all we have to him. We are significant and uh, we are um, able to be used in wonderful ways as we trust him, as we give our all to him. That's all true. This wee boy gives us a wonderful example to follow. All true. But none of that is the main point of this story. Actually, this story in John 6 is not about the wee boy. He leaves us a great example, but it's not about him. It's not about Philip. And it's not about Andrew. This story is about Jesus. It's about the the Lord who sees this vast crowd coming towards him. The Lord who is a man who must be tired. The Lord who has been meeting needs, serving others, foregoing to even eat. And yet he sees this vast crowd and he has compassion on them and he meets their needs. He meets their physical need. He provides food for them. But he also offers to meet the deeper need that he sees. So he sees this vast crowd coming towards him and he doesn't feel compassion for them because they are hungry for bread. He has compassion for them because he sees them as sheep without a shepherd. So he provides food for them. John calls that a sign, not a miracle, but a sign. So it's something that points to a greater reality. The next day, the crowd come back again. You can read about that as you look further on in John chapter 6. The crowd come back to Jesus because they're looking for another free feed. I can under, understand that, if I'm honest. Myself and Deborah had the privilege of sharing in a, a meal that was provided for us by the Gideons uh, last night, and it was lovely. It was great. And we had some wonderful testimonies. And uh, so I, I recognize how good it is to get a free feed, especially when the food is good. And uh, maybe we could understand that the crowd come back the next day hoping to see another miracle, hoping to receive some more 
food from the hands of Jesus, but Jesus rebukes them. He says, I tell you the truth, this is verse 26, if you still have uh, John 6 open before you. Jesus says, I tell you the truth, you're looking for me, not because you saw miraculous signs, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. Do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. And they have a discussion about uh, Moses and how God provided food for uh, bread, for or manna for Moses. We come to verse 33. Jesus says, The bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, they said, from now on, give us this bread. Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will never go hungry, and he who believes in me will never be thirsty. I wonder if you have a hunger in your soul for life, for a life which brings fulfillment, which lasts. We live in a world which tells us if we buy this, if we get that, then we'll be happy and we, we, we move on through these things. They, they satisfy us for a short time, but then we need something else, something more. We move from thing to thing to thing to thing, never quite finding that satisfaction that we are created to look for and to long for. Jesus says, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will never go hungry, and he who believes in me will never be thirsty. He says to us, if we trust him, if we follow him, if we give him our all wholeheartedly, then he will be delighted to receive us, to use us, and to give to us life as it was always meant to be lived. Life in right relationship with God. Life with deep peace and real joy. And life which lives for longer than a lifetime. Isn't it important that we remember that and that we celebrate that today? Eternal life. Jesus says, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will never go hungry. And he who believes in me will never be thirsty. That's not just for a lifetime. That is for all time. And we rejoice in the promise of Jesus. We rejoice in that deep soul satisfaction that we have found in him. We say thank you to him as we stand to sing our closing hymn.